0: This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke You are. And Brooke you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. And that's fire!
1: Well, we're having some fun here on a Friday morning. Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith with you. Brock and Salk are... Headed down to Arizona, might be in Arizona already, but uh, they'll be live from spring training all next week. So you can catch them out there from six to 10 at the Mariners Complex. I'm sure they'll have a ton of great guests and they'll be live on the scene. Now, some people actually, you know, work hard on this show. Justin and Mora, they're heading down there also, but you know, they decided to show up for work today. So we appreciate that, guys. Uh, but well, you're heading down right after yeah. this show. Huh. And Ryan, you thought just, you were just tired. keeping
2: that jet lag yeah, flying so I all they, the way from Europe. Ryan, into here. Ryan's yeah, complaining. Yeah. he was tired,
1: no, you, Justin's been that, everywhere. But Justin just got back from vacation. Salk left early so he could have a long weekend. Brock was gone all week. I'm the one that yeah, was is definitely here the and one is just that going to spring. Training. Deserves it. Go, Mora. <laughs> Good job, Mora. <laughs> but Justin hasn't slept, so I give him no. some sympathy. <laughs> if not, Justin just, might maybe three be, hours. Just, Justin might be in that state of perpetual uncertainty about what is reality. And what is maybe like a very realistic dream. And if he just kind of falls over on the I keyboard, that'll make sense. Earlier, I was like, I just caught myself doing the thousand yard
0: stare. And you know, I keep notes of the show all the time. So I wrote down uh, Ryan Rollinsmith Smith in studio for Brock. <laughs> Lefko in for Lefko. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are off to a good start. Hey, already. Justin, I got
2: a question. I'm going to, yeah. And I'm not trying to big you here or anything no, like no. that. But what was your longest flight on, on this trip?
0: Uh, 11 hours. Okay. All right. Well, you know. What is off,
1: Australia? Like 21? Yeah, 14. Yeah.
0: No big deal. But that's, that's <laughs> well, I yes. I did a combination of over 15 hours on, on planes yesterday. Yeah. You don't you know anything about jet lag, all right? I'm the jet lag <laughs> pro over here.
2: <laughs> okay. Hey, what, what did, did we, are you like watching three straight movies? Are you that dude who still has his screen on when everyone's trying to sleep? No. And that hour number six. Oh, you're a sleeper on the plane.
0: I'm usually an eye mask and like try to just oh, like, disappear right. into mm. the seat. Type. Uh, yeah, okay. Or Those guys, okay. <laughs> I read a book
1: to get that. I just get dialed in on movies. Oh, you're that guy. Oh, yeah. I'm that when guy. When everyone's yes. trying to sleep and yes. you you can see and sense this bright light <laughs> yeah. emanating from somewhere. Oh, yeah. And, the, and the
2: screens are good these days, too. Like back in the yeah, day, yeah, back, back
1: in the day, used to be like the United flight, the one screen.
2: I'm like, what do they watch? Oh, no. But now, I mean, yeah. know, then they had the, these little screens. Some planes didn't have. Now they're all got the really they're really bright. They yep. blow your eyes up big yeah. time. But I'm watched, that dude. I'm that dude. I'm I downloaded sleeping.
1: all of Lord <laughs> of the Rings, though, just in case. Oh. I had to be that, too. Wow. Oh, okay. Man, All right. Well, I think we we're talking about baseball, primarily talking about rugby. But yeah, we want to talk about the Mariners a little bit more, especially with the spring training opener coming up this afternoon. You can catch it here live on Seattle Sports at 1210. Well, actually, 12 o'clock. You want to tune into that pregame. So 12 o'clock with a 1210 first pitch. But one guy that we've heard about from Jerry Depoto, Bryce Miller. And this is interesting because he has just kind of jumped up out of nowhere. He has emerged on the radar in a very crowded bullpen. If you're talking about strengths of this Mariners team, I mean, it's the pitching. It's the bullpen with an emerging Matt Brash, with mm-hmm. Paul Seewald, with Andres Munoz, who was one of the best relievers in baseball last year. You have a solid guy in Diego Castillo. And then all of a sudden, here's Jerry Depoto talking about Bryce Miller and a few other young guys who could actually crack this opening day roster.
3: Yeah, you could see it. There's actually, there's two other guys in our camp that have caught early attention in that space, too. Maybe three. You know, we talked about Justin Topa and mm-hmm. what he brings to the table in physical stuff and we're seeing it down here still don't know you know where where justin will fit or or whether it will translate to on-field success but the stuff is notable the guy who might have shown the the best stuff to date in in our early dps and, and live throwing sessions is perlander barroa who is uh highly likely to start back in the minor leagues, but from a pure stuff perspective, he's after sitting on 97 miles an hour, touching a hundred with what at times looks like the most unhittable slider you could throw. And, and that's in the same camp that has Matt Brash.
1: So when we get into roster mm-hmm. semantics and trying to figure out, all right, 13 pitchers, you have five to, to six starter ish types and you have your five starters and Chris Flexen, So you have six yeah. already locked up and then just kind of rattled off some more names or all of a sudden you're up to like 10 guys with Diego Castillo, Paul Seewald, Matt Brash, Andres Munoz. All right, you got 10 guys there that are probably locks. Could any of these young guys you just heard from, and we keep talking about Bryce Miller, could he be a guy that all of a sudden comes out of nowhere and really is a key part of this team?
2: One of these guys, is that's that's going to be them. And especially in the bullpen, it's one of these... You know situations. We know that part of your roster is the most interchangeable. It's the most disposable too. It's the most inconsistent. You have some guys come up and and it can afford to be inconsistent too. You know, like when you're a starting pitcher and you're a, say a you know George Kirby and and you have that kind of stuff. But then you cement that with some of the commands. I think when you when you look at some of these arms and man, it is exciting too when you when you rattle off some of these names. And you mentioned Bryce Miller earlier, but you're talking ninety six hitting a hundred. Right with some of these guys who have that secondary pitch. The Mariners do such a great job of identifying what those secondary pitches are you going to throw the a high percentage. Paul Seawald being one of those guys that, that really emerged for him and still has some of the weakest ex off his back, even though he wasn't the same guy last year, wasn't as dominant, didn't get the, as many chases. But you are going to see you, – you mentioned the, the the guys who make up the bullpen on opening day. We all know <laughs> – It's going to look different in May. Then it's going to look different in June. Then it's going to look similar maybe to April in July, whatever. But it's going to be interchangeable. All these guys, I think, are going to contribute. But it's going to be exciting. Bryce Miller could be one of those... If I dare to say Matt Brash types, when Matt Brash came back, man, how electric was he? So I think that one of these guys is going to emerge to be, to be that, that new new arm in the pen.
1: And you kind of were jokingly saying if Jerry Depoto likes a guy mm-hmm. like Bryce Miller, he'll find a way to just bring him up. But but here is why, why Jerry mentioned that his name, Bryce Miller's, keeps coming up uh, in conversations early on here.
3: It's uh, just an exciting young pitching prospect. And there's there's still so much that, that we can learn about what Bryce's ceiling is. You know, he, he didn't pitch a lot prior to getting to Texas A&M. He was a position player who, you know, pitched sparingly, and and then went to college, pitched as a reliever for the Aggies, then went through his his first exposure as a starter in what turned out to be a, a shortened, very shortened COVID season, and only had one full season of pitching under his belt when we took him in the fourth round, and he's done nothing but improve.
1: Here's a little bit of a dilemma, though, and a question for you. Do you risk losing Bryce Miller as a starter and getting him up here earlier as a reliever, or is he more valuable to develop as a starter, but maybe he doesn't make an impact on your major league club for a year or two?
2: It's such a, it's such a good point, point. and I'm glad you brought that up, Mike, because this is always that question when you're evaluating, and this is the hard job to figure out, do you keep this... You know, one player right now. Obviously, this is a big window for the Mariners, and as a fan, you're just like, no, 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 no. If this yeah. guy's electric. Bring him up right now. I, if want, can, this guy, I want this guy. Want this guy. Yeah, exactly. But the minute you do that, that ceiling drops, and it's very, it's really difficult because I've I've experienced this as a player, and I've seen guys. It's very difficult to if he doesn't have success or he's not an impact, or they're they're limited on starting depth, which is very hard to have. Even the Mariners, who have such a great minor league system, to have just a stable of arms that can keep coming up year in, year out, you want to make sure you keep some of those players as that depth. But I will say this, when <laughs> we talked about this earlier, when Jerry Depolo, the fact that in that interview with Mike Salk, Mike Salk said, oh, what are some of your favorite sounds, kind of a generic questions about maybe, you know, like the 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 sound of the spikes hitting the concrete or whatever it may be. He asked him in that interview if he had a chance to listen to it earlier and if you didn't. He said to him, what is some of your favorite sounds? He goes, Well, actually Bryce Miller's fastball. <laughs> like, hold on a second, what? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's, and that was my point. When yeah. he has got someone on his brain, especially a Bryce Miller, you know that they're going to make some sort of impact. And it's looking like, because of the way the, the rotation is, it's looking like they're sort of projecting him to be a part of that bullpen, which is exciting. And and you know, you talk about some of the 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 stuff, obviously, hitting hitting triple digits on the fastball, that good that you know ninety seven ninety five to ninety seven hitting a hundred good, good command numbers it 's not George kirby command numbers where it 's sub two it 's you know one point five walks per nine but look Matt brash was sitting there even as a bullpen arm. You know, five plus walks per nine was still effective, but we're talking about around about a three with good stuff. Man, he, he could be a big impact for
1: sure. This hour is driven by WayScar Ford. We did learn one thing uh, about a Seattle sports team last night. We'll tell you about that when we come back here on the Brock and Salk show. Mike Lefko, Ryan Roland Smith in with you today. Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app
0: need to know. Fifteen minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know.
1: Up first. We have talked a lot of rugby already, but you probably don't need to know anything more about that. What you do need to know, though, Bobby Wagner is a free agent once again, and the move won't be official until March 15th. That was an important point of, uh, kind of, not content, It was an important point of clarification yesterday when a lot of people were asking about, hey, Bobby Wagner's release, Bobby Wagner's release Should the Seahawks bring him back? Well... We also asked John Schneider about that. He was with Wyman and Bob, his weekly interview on Thursdays leading up to and including the first day of the draft, and they asked him uh, about Bobby Wagner being released.
0: Obviously, amazing <laughs> player, icon, hall of famer, all that. Uh, he's not officially
1: released yet, so uh, oh. he's not on the waivers. So, uh, congratulations to whoever scooped that. But uh, yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's technically still on their roster, and uh, so we won't be able to speak to his agent for a minute or two, which is actually himself. So okay so we almost got john schneider on a tampering violation not quite there but yes bobby wagner will be a free agent on march 15th can you kind of understand that though that fervor and excitement when it's a popular player like that who has been in seattle for so long i mean his entire career was here up until last season i get it i can understand why the fans have such fervor and interest about bringing him back
2: for sure look bring him back why not i mean listen Big, iconic player here. Those Beacon Plumbing com- commercials, you can bring them back as well. <laughs> and you know what? It's, it's a different uh, scenario than what it was tr- trying to keep him uh, at what it was going to cost him. So, hey, why not? Just do it.
1: Let's, let's Says go. a man who has done his own commercials, Yeah, you know? Yeah, that's true. You're on TV too much, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the second thing. You need to know. Maybe just a little bit of jealousy. You're always on. You're popping up there. Usually when I'm trying to talk to you, and then you pop up on my TV it's as well. It's one commercial. It's okay. Uh, it's it gets played commercial. a lot. All right. Well, Big Mariners things <laughs> happening, including the first spring training game coming up today against the Padres. Our coverage here on Seattle Sports begins at 12.00. 12-10 first pitch. It's not on uh, TV. It's not on Root Sports, which you're usually part of those broadcasts, but not televised, so you better listen to it here. And we got a lineup a couple hours ago, Ryan, which uh, I'll read it off for everyone in case you missed it earlier. Colton Wong, bats leadoff. Julio is second. Ty France is batting third. Teoscar Hernandez in that cleanup spot. Eugenio Suarez after him. Jared Kelnick in left. And then you have Tom Murphy, J.P. Crawford. And we learned uh, Tommy Lastello was supposed to DH, but is dealing with some of arm soreness. So Mike Ford is batting ninth and DHing. Yeah, you were you were uh, pretty excited about Mike. Ford. No, was surprised. I just, you know, <laughs> I, I know spring training. You see everyone and anyone, and out of the seventy plus right. players that are coming through the Mariners' camp, you are going to see a lot of them. But just. Day one lineup, you know, you yeah. expect to see some semblance of your starters, you and do. to see Mike Ford in there, it's like, whoa, oh yeah, he's yeah, back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's yeah, always yeah. like he, yeah. he was on every team last year too.
2: There's always there's always a good seven or eight on day one and day two. Usually, it's kind of like what it's going to project, I guess at this at this time to what it's going to look like in April. Big question is: Colton Wong, Julio Rodriguez, yes. who is leading off? The kind of the new way is for, for front officers to put their best most dynamic hitter at the top of the lineup i still like julio at the top of the lineup especially if and i don't know if this is the case hopefully they do let him run like they did last year obviously the power numbers weren't there at the beginning of the year so they let him run be a little bit more athletic i just don't want a situation where, like oh you know he's too precious shut it down i think he's young enough he's got enough uh yeah, enough spunk in him <laughs> where, he can, where he can steal some bags. I want to see him run. Those did diminish towards the end of the season.
1: They did. know He dealt with a wrist injury and some other nagging issues. He had the back issue as well, but it really kind of tailed off in terms yeah. of you know his first half of the season, very aggressive on the base pass, and then you know, the comparison that people like to bring up because his start has been very similar to him Mike Trout who was a big base stealer early in his career and then that went away as his his power numbers picked up yeah
2: we're going to talk more about some of the new changes you're going to see in baseball obviously the bigger bases it's not going to impact the amount of stolen bases I don't think again I think with Julio Rodriguez he's he just adds so much for what we saw in the, the version of him in 2022 even with the power numbers down power numbers are going to go up this year I'd still like to see him run the same amount
1: Here's the third thing you need to know. Maura was asking why we didn't lead the show with this. The Bruins beat the the Kraken last night. No, it was. It was a thrilling, thrilling hockey game last night. Back and forth. Uh, Kraken were up in the third period. You said you turned it on. They proceeded to immediately lose. But, yeah, Bruins, (laughs) two two goals in the span of four minutes late in the third period. They also had a shorthanded goal, but... A lot of lead changes, a lot of excitement, and a high-scoring affair. But after beating the Bruins earlier in the season, Boston comes in and uh, gets the equalizer against the Kraken.
2: Yeah, that was tough. We were going back, back and forth about the show on text message. And I said, hey, look, I'm just going to call you and explain exactly my coffee order for the morning that we've <laughs> dived into quite a bit, especially if you're listening at 6 a.m. You heard all about it. But I turned it on, and, I, oh, man, it was it was 5-5. Like this is this, is, this is It was, was
1: five four a couple minutes before that.
2: That was the was, issue. It yeah. was yes, and the, this. I mean, there, we've been seeing some good stuff out of the Climate Pledge Arena, but as soon as I turned it
1: on, heartbreaker, I couldn't believe it, man. And. And yeah, we've mentioned this as well. The uh, the Sea Dragons had their home opener yes. last night. A Thursday night affair against the St. Louis Battle Hawks. Seems like there was a decent crowd there, despite the, the cold weather and a lot of other things going on. So credit to everyone who uh, braved the cold there and saw a pretty exciting game, albeit uh, a late loss. The Sea Dragons lost on a dramatic comeback by the Battle Hawks in a last-second field goal.
2: Well... When you see the XFL wanting to, you know, obviously revamp COVID shut it down, which is a real shame, especially for the players who are kind to keep that, that professional career alive. But Mike Lefko, when you see Sea Dragons are kicking off, does that excite you? Are you how, how, what percentage of
1: the season are you going to be tuning into? I actually have watched a lot more than I expected. I was very excited. The, the curiosity element of, you know, the rule changes and, and how you see this shake out. So last weekend, it caught parts of every game. And then, you know, watched a, a little bit of, of that tough loss in week one. I do, I do like how they do go to the uh, the replay. like oh, the, that co- constant communication, I that conversation that's yes. going on. Yeah, That's For, some insight that I think most sports fans across any league would love but that kind of access love is it. something that leagues don't want there's no yes, way right. there's no way Major League Baseball there's no way the NFL or NBA or any professional league that is highly scrutinized and much watched wants that kind of behind the scenes access they do it in rugby in rugby league back <laughs> in Australia I should have known I should have known they, yeah. they
2: do and guess what it brings the people it brings the viewership in bring it can uh, you, Major League no.
1: Baseball bring it into can that can you be- imagine Rob Manfred saying, sure, we're going to give you insight on our conversations that are happening with our umps? I, I would love it, man. I think it would be so cool. Major League Baseball, when they've got those,
2: you know how you sit there and you kind of have to listen to the guys in the booth sort of talk it out yeah. and show a couple replays you see 50 times? No, no, no. Get a screen into that video room in New York and let's
1: see what's going on.
2: I People would absolutely love it.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of the rules and behind the scenes, we got some kind of behind the scenes info, a good primer from Raul Abanez, who's pretty high up in Major League Baseball now, about these rule changes. And we had talked about them, the three major rule changes and then kind of the ancillary parts about those. But I don't think we knew until we heard from him just how complex and what the issues might be when you see these implemented in a game. So it's going to be a little in the weeds here, but I think it's going to be some interesting in- info that all of you will want to hear about potential pitfalls, potential stoppages, and why these spring training games early on could be very awkward to watch until it gets sorted out. So we'll dive into some key rule changes that will take place in 2023, give you the behind the scenes on those. Mike Lefko, Ryan Roland-Smith with you. It's the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app.
0: This this is Brock and Salk, powered through the
1: Alaska Airlines studio, back in mornings from 6 to 10, on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Spring training begins this afternoon for the Mariners, their first spring training game. Obviously, they've been getting after it with spring training going on for a little over a week now few of the pitchers and catchers, they've been down there. Position players just arrived as well, and they will play another team for the first time today. And, Ryan, I think that's important because it was kind of eye-opening yesterday when uh, we had the opportunity to speak with Raul Abanez, who's now MLB's Senior VP of Onfield Operations. Nice, fancy title. Now, he's pretty important. Nice. Yeah. He's, in, he's in charge of a lot of things. And what he did was he... Kind of just had an open forum where we spoke with uh, the Mariners writers and broadcasters and people assembled and covering the team so they can understand the nuances around these rules. And I know on these airwaves, on all three of our shows, we have talked about the bigger bases, the pitch clock, the shift ban, how it will affect 2023, what we're looking forward to, what we're interested in seeing. But I don't think it really sunk in until we spoke to someone who's in charge of enforcement and actually implementing how these changes play out, that there are a lot of unknowns and there could be a lot of moments that you're going to go through some growing pains that really could make this an awkward situation for yeah. these first couple of games and first couple of weeks of spring training.
2: Yeah, first of all... And hopefully it's just spring training. I think it's going to uh, it's stretch to into yeah, I uh, yeah. April, May. I really do. And I think there's going to be some some adjustments. And what I mean by that is the way teams try and manipulate some of these rules, the way... um you know, how you enforce certain rules. But you know, yesterday, like you said, we got on a call with Raul Lobany, who is one of my favorite teammates on the planet, by the way. And you know, you he said he's fancy title. He could do anything. Yes. Honestly, he could be on air, he could be sitting here co hosting a lot better than I could on this on this radio show. But he is funny because he kicked it off. He said, "All right, guys, uh, new rules. You know what they are? Bigger ba- uh, we've got bigger bases, pitch clock, and I'm sitting there on the Zoom call guy, and this is going
1: to be like a ten minute call because everyone's heard about these rules.' Yeah, that's what I thought. And then one question led to another, and no one wanted to be, you know, no one wants to be the first one. You don't want to be that person to ask <laughs> yeah. the first question. Who was? But the, then someone was the does, first? and it, uh, it kind of jumps from there. Who was the first well, person to ask a question? Because well, it was just locally. Re- yeah, reasonably. I mean, we don't have to get into details of that. But no, it was <laughs> because I think here's what's funny. Okay, people appreciate this, so. Justin and Mora. The, the attempted first question was from someone who I think tried to ask a question and they either didn't have the right mic working or they weren't close enough to the camera or so no one could hear them. So someone was kind of muttering for a little bit and then finally Jen jumped in. So Jen Mueller, That's right. I think, That's asked right. the, the first question. So she broke the ice.
2: That's right. And and you, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm thinking, okay, I got this Zoom call. I had another Zoom meeting at one o'clock regarding you know, WBC. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, how long is this going to last? but it just kept going and some of the questions were pretty intriguing because yeah you know, and and you know if people who listen to this show can can tune in on how they feel about on the text on the with text messages how they feel about these new rules the game is going to be significantly different is, usually when you implement some kind of rule, you're like, eh, okay, yeah, you may see that make a change, or you know, the replay is kind of fascinating for a second because you know, you remember the foul pole back in the day. This is like 2010, I think, or two thousand nine. You know, the foul pole. You could you could replay if the ball was fair or foul. And that was kind of like, oh, and then it just became annoying because it took too long. And then the video re- then the video review came in and people were but this is like this isn't every pitch change to the game you've got the pitch clock the shift there's no more shifting that's going to be
1: make the game drastically different let's get into why and i don't think we fully realized it until we heard about the enforcement and this was one of those things where yeah you don't even know what you don't know and then it was brought up and when it was explained i certainly had the O uh-oh, this is going to be a process that could really slow the game down. And mm. we were trying to explain it to Justin, who wasn't here, because he was in 18 different airports, and he was like, wait, this is really going to happen? So, oh, Hold on, then we
2: not talking about this in,
1: in No, in, in Austria, Austria, Germany. No, not yet. It hasn't, oh. the, the, the intricacies <laughs> of the shift ban haven't gotten over to <laughs> not yet. Uh, to Eastern Europe yet. No, it wasn't on the front page over there. No, no. No, not even Eastern Europe, just even Europe yet. And then they'll make their way to Eastern Europe. But the shift ban and enforcing it. So you cannot have... Heels on the grass. You have to be on the dirt, the middle, the infield. Everyone in the infield must be on that dirt. And it was asked, well, how are you going to enforce it? And the exact scenario that was brought up, say uh, the, the example is Mike Trout. Say Mike Trout is up. He hits a ground ball to J.P. Crawford, routine play, Trout's out. But if it's determined that J.P. Crawford, his heel, his foot, anything, was on the grass, what happens? And it turns out that a manager can see that and challenge it. And that was a little concerning because it seems like that's going to open a can of worms of slowing down the game, of having to go back, then look at this very small instance of, all right, is it a heel on the grass? We've seen it with football. I mean, was his foot on the line? What's a catch? All these things that bog down a game. You talk about speeding the game up. So now a manager can challenge that. They would go look at it and say J.P. Crawford's heel was on the grass. Mm -hmm. You do the bat over. You would just add a ball to whatever the count is. It's not a ground out for Mike Trout. He's still up. And the examples you're using,
2: first of all, if you get Mike Trout to ground out, that's a that's a huge okay, win. Okay, you get it. Someone else. <laughs> yeah, no, but but it's oh, true. Right. You're
1: saying how the impact? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge but, impact. Yeah. It
2: really is because when you think about that, you drastically change first of all and out in the inning to hold on a minute. Now we have to mm-hmm. review this. So it, essentially, it will slow the game down. And not saying it's going to happen a bunch, but it could easily like easily happen because who is enforcing the heels on the grass? Yeah. And is the manager going to be watching? Are you going to have your video guy back in there, prime to watch not, um, every infielder on, to, to to pay attention to this? So there's going to be you're going to see some stuff in the first couple of months in regards to that. That you're just going to be kind of scratching your head, going, "Wow, I didn't even think of that scenario." And even I think with Major League Baseball, they've they've tested all these different scenarios thousands of times, and they've sort of, you know, the quality of the game in A AA and AAA, and again, listen, from a, a viewership standpoint, from a com, you know, com, commercial standpoint in regards to the commercials in between innings and et cetera, et cetera, game's extremely different in AAA to the big leagues. But scenarios like this, we were kind of we stumping Raul Labania's because – these are big ones. Yeah. These are really impactful parts of the game. that It's it's going to be interesting.
1: And infielders have to establish themselves. So especially yeah. the middle infield, because they were asked, hey, how, how can teams maybe try to skirt these rules? What will they do to try to get around them? And Raul specifically said, you have to establish who's the shortstop and who the second baseman is before each inning. So there's no switching for batters. There's no moving JP Crawford over to second base and throwing Colton Wong over there and there is no moving into the outfield or running across the base because you can 't leave that position until contact and and to clarify
2: that that 's not a situation where you can say all right j p crawford we're, we're going to declare before the third inning that he 's going to slide over on this side of the field. You have to have two players on, yeah. on either side so and, and that 's the other one too you 're going to see teams try and there 's going to be just kind of like the like the Tampa Bay Rays came out with the the opener, having that mm-hmm. relief pitcher throw that first inning. There's going to be a little trial and error, error period, I think, for a long time, where teams try and bring that left fielder over to be that extra infielder, or whatever it may be. And that's not to say that those outfielders can basically go wherever they want. Yes, yeah, they, they can go behind the plate, behind the catcher, if they wanted to. So that doesn't have to be established. But there's going to be some a manipulation of some of these rules, and b you're going to see some strange things happen. But I will say this: I the it's not something. I don't see there being a scenario where all of a sudden teams manipulate it that drastically, where Major League Baseball then has to reevaluate what is the purpose of these rules.
1: These are drastic. This
2: shift rule is extremely drastic, and, and the pitch clock is is drastic as well. So
1: I want to get into that for you as a relief pitcher because I think you can speak to the impact of this much better than I can. But it sounds like starting an inning and this would really only affect a pitcher coming into a game. So a reliever, uh, Raul Labanya's has kind of broke down how much time a reliever gets, even when he's coming into the game. So it's two minutes and 15 seconds from the second, uh, reliever from the, I said second a couple times there. So once a reliever enters the field, once he gets onto the warning track, he has two minutes and 15 seconds before he can throw the first pitch mm-hmm. or until he has to. And that's it. So some guys, you know, they might take a little bit of a slow walk. They, they might go through a pretty elaborate routine to get ready is that going to be kind of a rush for you? So you only have yeah. 2.15, and then when there's 40 seconds left on the clock, the reliever has to be done with his warm-up pitches. He has to throw his last pitch at 40, and that's it. Right, and
2: last you know, last couple of years we've seen the clock being implemented for when they get onto the field, but there's more time mm-hmm. for him to get on there. What you're going to see from this, and this is one of the ones that you can really manipulate, you're going to see those relief pitches, throw that last pitch, and then kind of stroll around in the bullpen a little bit, do whatever they got to do before they get out there. I will say this, though. What would you say it was? Two minutes what? 2.15. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: Could there- you make it over there, time? Like, <laughs> you're going to have to be in
2: better shape. You're going to go up the sand hills. Yeah, I'm going to start yeah, running some sand hills. But i I got to say, man, Is- there's been some times, especially in I, – I never forget one of the last games I ever played. We were, it, it was in Colorado. It was cold, high altitude. I come storming in. Dude, I was out of breath. I'm telling you, I was trying to stall like crazy. Now there's some there's some hefty dudes, mate, that have not been running all off season. That, that they they better get some cardio going. You get on. the bullpen cart.
1: <laughs> That's, I mean, jokingly it was brought up, but not in this rule thing. But I mean, it's been tweeted out. Like, hey, imagine the Mariners brought this bullpen par- bullpen cart back, and yeah, Paul yeah, Seawald quote tweeted it and said, "Yes, please." Right. That's not going to happen, but. I mean, yeah. is that going to be an issue of relievers are going to have to drastically alter how they just enter a game? Well, what's going to happen? They'll get in, and
2: then basically the the umpire will always, what happens is you throw your warm up pitches, whether you catch this if you're at the game or if they come back from commercial early enough. Usually you get eight warm up pitches. That's usually the number. But what you see umpires do, you've seen it more and more because they've been told to implement, like keep the time, you know, keep the game crisp. They've got all right two more. So you've thrown three warm up pitches, boom, two more. Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen, you know, when I'm s- sitting there at the game like, wow, they're really sort of cutting down on how many warm up pitches because they're glancing at the clock going, dude, you've got no time before we have to get started here, because the umpire doesn't want to hear it from roller bodies in Major League baseball. Right. So they're going to be like, hey, look, so it's going to be interesting to see how many warm up pitches they get. How much time they create for themselves from the warning track in. I will say this though, speaking of the pitch clock, you will see some manipulation when it comes to and Raul brought this up. If a pitcher, you know, ties his shoes or you know, something where the catcher has to stall for a bit of time, because I'm telling you right now, you with the Mariners have a young team. This pitch clock is it's gonna factor in with some of these older pitching staffs. It just is. It's I was quick. Right, and I've tried to time it out, like just messing around in the backyard. No, uh, but, but just trying to figure out how quick that is. We've heard Paul Seawall talk about having to shave those seconds off how long he throws in between pitches, especially for the relief pitchers. Not coming in so much, but in between, when you've got runners on base, and it's a, it's a really stressful moment. It's going to make an impact. Right, your heart rate's going to be up a little higher, and you have to going to get back on the man, You have got to deal with weather as well. If it's cold or it's windy, or you're trying to get that that grip on the ball, wherever it may be. Right, You have to deal with all that within that time, that time frame, the, the seconds you have to throw that pitch. How strict is the enforcement going to be? And well,
1: will, it, will it vary in situations? Because I was talking with Curtis Rogers about this, who produces Bump and Stacy. that's on from 10 to two, 10 to 12 today because the Mariners uh, have that spring training game. But he said, okay, so what, the World Series is going to be decided by a pitch violation where a reliever's taking his time with a full count? bases is loaded, full count, and all of a sudden he's taking too long. Is the umpire really going to say... That's it. It's a violation. Ball four. World series over.
2: Yeah, and it's the same well, look, it's the same argument. Is it going to be, you know, determined by a ball call?
1: You know, with yeah, someone you brought that up. That was yes. a good
2: point. Yeah, and I brought that up to Raul too, just in regards to and that's another rule we can dive into as well. I think this is going to be something you're going to see pitchers, you know, kind of walk around, have that reaction like, oh, you know, put their hands up or whatever, or they're going to get frustrated. It's going to be something that you are going to get some it's something that you're going to have to adapt to quickly we've talked to george kirby who got to deal with this he, he's one of the best starting pitchers you know he's, he's going to be one of the best starting pitchers in the game he's dealt with this you're going to have guys coming up from double triple a and they're all pretty comfortable with the timing of it you're going to have some older pitchers who, who have an issue with it and they're going to throw their hands up or get frustrated or the umpire is going to enforce it pretty hard because they're told to but i will say this if you cannot adapt To this new rule, because it's here, it's not going away. The game's trying to be sped up. If you can't, I'll give you till June. If you're still throwing your hands up or frustrated or you're still getting called out because you're taking too long in between pitches, that's on you. Not on the team, not on the rules, not on the umpire. You better be able to be within those seconds to throw that pitch.
1: So, yeah, for someone like Paul Sewald who came on uh, Bump and Stacey, talked with them when these kind of rules came out, and he said... He learned from getting down there to spring training and working with this, he has to shave six seconds off his routine. That's significant. That is
2: significant. Because the other part of this is, too, you don't want to be in a situation when you're pitching. And by the way, as a pitcher, and you're trying to, you know, you're hearing the sign in your little comrex and you're trying to you know, navigate how you're going to get through this hit or whatever, and you've got a clock in your peripheral vision, if you're seeing three, two, one, man, it's, it's going to create that extra stress. So if you're Paul Seaworld, not only obviously you've got to shave that six seconds, you don't want to be thinking about a clock in the month of May when you're trying to get that slider dialed in because you're throwing it 60% of the time against uh, Altuve. What? You don't want to be looking at seconds off a clock.
0: Lefko, i got a question here, too, and maybe you can really uh, help me with this. But you mentioned Kirby's been uh, used to getting used to it, I guess, and some of the pitchers in double and triple A have, but not all the umpires at the major league level. So the umpires in those levels have had time to kind of find the sweet spot, which will take longer at the big league level and probably have a bigger impact because of yeah. the egos involved. But uh, the the concern is who adjusts quicker, and are you going to have things where it's like, this guy's really, really by the book. This guy's not. It's a not. great point.
2: It is a really good point because major league umpires from, yeah, you know, from when I played too, right? It's on their terms. Okay. Like the, the way the game is structured, the timing of the game, the, 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 how they call their strike zone. There is that ego involved. There really is where they're like, you know what? I call the shots here. So I think and from a double A level, you're not going to progress up the chain Just like, because by the way, let's not forget umpires, if you don't know this, umpires have to work their way out of rookie ball, through A ball, double A, triple A, and part of that obviously is having that good strike zone, and they get evaluated just like a player does. That's a hard gig, right? So in double A, if the minute that second comes off the clock, boom, ball, because they're not, they're on the line. (laughs) Major League umpires, they've been there forever, they're established, they're not going anywhere, it's going to be interesting. If it's that one second, that two seconds, and then the then Phil Nevin comes flying out
1: of the, the dugout you know, from yeah. third base, how's that going to be enforced? And here's another just unknown and then the human element where you have to kind of adjust to a strike zone because you have different umpires so you right. you get to learn okay is he given a little more on one side is it a little tighter now you might have to learn how lenient they are with for these sure. pitch clock violations for sure and
2: again when you figure out they are lenient you know what you're not even looking at that clock but then if and they're
1: not that could be a vast adjustment from sure. one game to the other
2: yeah for sure and and look i going back to, to curtis's point about a world series game being d- decided by a pitch clock. How they do the playoffs. Now, obviously, in the playoffs, too, you have a little extra revenue involved when you're talking about commercials in between innings. I'm curious. And, again, they've got six months for this to play out before the playoffs start. And, by the way, the World Baseball Classic, which comes up with all the
1: best players, they're not going by these rules. And that's another – I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. But, yeah, think about the guys in the Mariners camp who are going to deal with this. I mean, Julio is the most prominent example, so we'll say him. Think about these guys that are going to deal with this for, what, like a week? And then yeah. okay they're on to the WBC they deal with the normal rules and then they come back and have to get reacclimated.
2: Yeah and 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 again I I said this from the beginning of this segment too. The, this is not one of these new rules of baseball that kind of you may notice. This is an every pitch change in the game not only one change obviously the pickoff rules only being able to pick over the first base that's going to be significant the pitch clock you're going to see it on the broadcast you're probably going to see a little clock on your tv just like a shot clock in basketball when when the clock starts to wind down um and also to the shift so not only is it especially on the pitch clock not only is it impacting the pitches but more so and we've heard guys talk about this the hitters Mm -hmm. man they're going to be ready to roll that that you know that that uh, swing decision. All of a sudden, they're going to get that foot back in the box. They're going to roll right right away. I, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I I I, I do like it. It is going to speed the game up. It's going to make it crisp. Everyone's going to adapt. And if you're that one guy in June who's you know pouting about the the rules, you're going to look like the the odd man out here for sure. But we, I'm yeah. curious what, how people feel about. And you can text in, but feel about some of the, the, these rule changes. Do you like it? Are you excited about it? Because I will say this, the game is going to look very different.
1: Yeah, Mac and Jack's text line there, 866-979-3776. So after hearing that and maybe some new concerns that came up, uh, what do you still have questions about? What concerns do you have? We'll continue to answer these uh, for the next few minutes and then maybe even to the 9 o'clock hour. We're also taking calls at 930, so we're opening up the phone line. So if you do have questions about kind of the finer points of these rules, you can certainly call in with those. But uh, text in, 866-979-3776. And I think, yeah, we, we bring this up not to say, oh, it's doom and gloom when we're bemoaning what's going to happen, but just kind of a, a primer and an informative way of saying, look, these are going to help the game ultimately, but you're going to have growing pains early on. Every single person, fans, broadcasters, umpires, players, managers, everyone is going to adapt to these rules. And so in these first few weeks... It could be very slow, very prolonged, kind of walking through situations. You might see a lot of rules violations called.
2: You know, and someone just, just texted in the 360, said, can you imagine 45,000 people counting down um, the pitch clock in the bottom of the ninth? 900- Russell, Russell Wilson
0: can. <laughs> 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 counting down the play clock. Well,
2: I... Yeah, again, it's it's is that something when you when you're at the game? Are you gonna, are, are people going to start counting down the clock or, and all these? Again, yeah, maybe fans have a bigger impact. We, we yeah. don't quite know. All I'm saying is this is going to be some sig- significant change in the way you watch the game, especially when you watch it on TV or even in, 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 at, at the ballpark. I I don't mind it. I, I like it. I'm excited about it. But we, you just don't know what how it's going to roll out at, at the major league level. I, I don't care what you see, and, and you know and I could say this to Raul Lobanias. double AA A, triple A, whatever you witness, whatever
1: you test and product test and everything, nothing compares to to major league baseball. Can you imagine? I was thinking, I was when you guys brought this up. I was just thinking about that. Uh, good text there from the three six zero. So, so in college basketball, one of the fun parts about playing. Uh, in a raucous environment, is the visiting team sometimes the fans will artificially count down the shot clock. So if there's ten seconds left on the shot clock, they'll try to screw up the other team by saying like five, four, and there's really like ten seconds. So what if you had forty five thousand fans? <laughs> you were leading that charge, absolutely. By the way. I mean, home so. <laughs> home court advantage. But what if you did? So I think about the Mariners opener. It's yeah. sold out. They just announced that. What if you have that guy who's the uh, the rub his hair guy on the on the Guardians, the the, the man who likes to preen around and. Oh, oh They're talking about card chip. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's that guy who who kind of struts oh, yeah, around on the mound yeah, 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 yeah. and then rubs oh, his man. hair like ten yes. times and is very trust fond the, of himself. Yeah. what if he's, he's taking his sweet time doing that and Mariners fans are, are you just about dig- no, uh, no no I mean, bullpen no guy. bullpen guy super card Cartier- chip yeah that guy card Cartier- chip. I know yeah, Brock can't dark. stand that. Yeah, yeah, that guy. So what if he's pitching in the opening weekend and he has, you know, like seven seconds left on the pitch clock and Mariners fans are just all of a sudden just loud, three, two, one. I Did love You would get rattled? I mean, would he, would he slip up a couple of times? Because pitchers won't be used to that. That's not something you would ever have heard as yeah. a pitcher before. Someone counting out a clock, I, that's going to be new.
2: I guess it, it depends on the guy. I remember like, you know, two strikes, everyone would stand up and start going crazy. I, sometimes I would step off. Because I'd want everyone to shut up so I can throw a pitch. But that
1: won't change things now. That right. pitch clock's still going. Yeah,
2: yeah. right. Sh- exactly. Yeah, you can't just step
1: off. It's James Karinczak, by the way. Yeah, Karinczak. That's okay that's I honestly, like, I knew the last name. I didn't know how to say it. So yeah, I wanted someone a, else to say easiest, it. Yeah, Yeah. All right.
0: And, and uh, <laughs> okay. uh, uh, Clevenger does, like, the rocking, the tapping, the...
1: Yeah. All things are going to have to change. So that uh, what is it, Garcia? Right for mm-hmm. who's who's got the big rock that yeah. was out just uh, banned with the, now? With the Astros. With the yeah. Astros. Yeah. So there, there's also a stricter enforcement on balk rules. Yes. Um, and you did bring up the good point. I don't know if we completely dove into that about um, the two disengagements. Mm-hmm. There's a limit of two disengagements, or you know, step offs or throwing over to first when guy's yeah, on even base. Got to this yet. Yeah. And you brought up the fact that that's a balk that third time if they don't pick him off. Mm-hmm. What happens? If it's first and third, and a balk is called, yeah. So it's the uh, guy scores. The guy he, from third scores, scores.
2: Which I was under the assumption, and for months, I actually thought it was the base you were throwing to the, the attempts. Like, okay. So in, in case you weren't, if we weren't quite sure, basically now the pickoff rule is you can only pick over two times. If you pick a third time, you have to get the guy out. Otherwise, he gets, you know, he get he gets second base. I was under the assumption. That if, let's say it's a situation first and third, right? Now, you want to keep obviously the, the, the runner at, at first. Um, obviously, keep him out of scoring position, you know, whatever. I was under the assumption that it only was towards the base you were throwing to. Well, in actual fact, if you try and pick that guy over a third time, you don't get him. It's a ball call, run scores. That's going to, uh, that's significant because you're always trying to get that second run, runner into scoring position, keep him out of a double play. If there's one out, runner on third, etc. So if you, if you really push that lead, and which I like, by the way, this is the one rule I really, really like. Mm. I like the two – not because oh, I don't like it when guys pick over 10 times. I don't care. I love the fact that it creates another element of excitement when you've got – the guy's picked over twice. All right, then the guy gets – this this is what's going to happen. The guy's going to get a massive lead if he's a runner. Um, he's going to get a huge lead. He's going to try and entice the dude to pick off. Boom, doesn't get him. Crowd goes crazy, run, uh, gets the second base. I'm assuming on a Tuesday night who knows but um but the other thing is this it's it's kind of a, that that it just creates more of that you know that that camera angle that goes to first base back back in the mid 90s when they used to, guys used to actually steal bases I love. I, I I think this one's going to be a, a fun one to watch
1: yeah so I think right the point is there's a lot more action that could happen a lot more fun but a lot of new things that a lot of people still have to figure out so As I expected, this is a very popular conversation. Took up this entire chunk of time and even more so. A lot of good questions rolling in here on the Mac and Jack's text line. We'll try to answer all these, whether uh, texting you back or talking about it on air, or at 930, call in. We'll take your calls as well to mention those. But... We want to kind of sort through the 26-man roster, especially what the position players could look like. There are some question marks, some depth that needs to be filled in. We'll talk about that. It's Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith filling in here on Brock & Salk. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app.